Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today we're recording on a Friday, the Friday of preview weekend. And if you hear noise all about it, it's because there are 100 preview students scattered across campus that have been having fun all day, as well as attending classes. And most importantly, and formatively chapel this morning preached by our president, Reverend Joshua B. Carson. We're so grateful for our president, Brother Carson, that he could make it back from some family arrangements to preach this message that I know you're going to enjoy, titled Finders Keepers, Losers Weepers. And I want to give a big thanks to all who have attended here for preview weekend, as well as parents and pastors for entrusting your young people to us for a short period of time. We honor you, and let's get right to this chapel from this morning with Reverend Joshua Carson. These musicians, thank you to Sister Galleon, anointed psalmist, incredible worship leader. When she leads worship, it makes me want to be closer to Jesus. If we ever make our worship services shows to entertain us, we will have missed the purpose of what we're trying to do. There is one who is worthy. Turning your attention today to Matthew, the 13th chapter, to the pastors, let me echo those sentiments and say thank you for being here and being with us. I've got friends in the room. Thank you for trusting Indiana Bible College to the pastors that are unable to be here but are maybe watching online or will listen later. Thank you for entrusting us with your current students and the previewers that you've sent. To the students that are here, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for being here to preview IBC. To our current student body, I honor you for making the choice to pursue the kingdom of God. To our incredible faculty, brother and sister Galleon is our executive vice president. The role that they serve, what a gift to the kingdom. Along with our campus pastor and his wife, brother and sister Turner, and our amazing, amazing faculty, our deans and professors, and all of the staff behind the scenes. We're blessed at Indiana Bible College. Matthew 13 is a familiar portion of the Gospels, and many of you were Bible quizzers and can even quote portions of this text. We're in a series of parables here in the Gospels, but I would just draw your attention to one verse that the Lord seems to have arrested me with. It's the 44th verse. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth or keepeth it from being known. For joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. 
kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. Everyone say a treasure. All right, now I want to give you a, a little assignment. I want you to look at my slide and I want to see if you can finish my title with me. I think you can even without seeing it. Help me if you know the words. Finders, keepers, losers. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. It's my assignment for today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house. I pray I could say something and somehow take this topical approach, this parable in which you had placed an eternal truth and a point that we would need to grab. I know what I feel and why you have laid this upon my heart, and I pray that you would help me somehow to relay this to the students that are in this house that it might be received. We want to grow because of our time in your word. And let everybody in the room shout amen. You may be seated. Now after you're seated, I would like for you to turn to a couple people around you and just go ahead and tell them that line. Engage yourself in the message from the very beginning. Tell them finders keepers, losers weepers. Come on, go ahead and be seven again. And tell your friend, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Their names were Waldo and Calmus. Waldo and Calmus. Kind of a tough pair of names, sorry, if you and your brother are Waldo and Calmus. They're a couple of brothers that aren't talked much about, but they became fairly famous in the late 1800s, 1895. They were hired by a guy named D. Roberts. Brother Turner, D. Roberts hired them because he wanted them to clean out the chicken coop. Do we have any country kids in this room who here has ever cleaned out a chicken coop or you've Shoveled some mud that wasn't mud. <laughs> I thought I smelled you. We, we, <sighs> we're glad you're here with us. Waldo and, and Calmus were hired for the astounding, astounding price of five cents to clean out. Mr. Roberts D. was his name, Mary was his wife's name, and he was going to hire these boys. They were only 10 and 8, and they were going to clean out the chicken coop. And honestly, at that time, five cents to get the job done wasn't a bad wage. I know no one in here would work for five cents. Some of you won't work for $15 an hour, so I know you wouldn't work for... Oh, man. Just getting a few of you with me here. Just. But while they were there and they were shoveling some fresh and some old that had hardened and had become like rock, they were working through and getting it all cleaned out and prepared. But as they were digging in one corner of the chicken coop, the shovel hit something extremely hard as it 
moved a little deeper through one of those old piles that had obviously been there for a long, long time. And Brother Rodenbush, when that shovel hit that, it was the sound of metal on metal. So young Wilbert and Calmus, they began to dig around and found that it was a nice, old, rusty tin can. But what they weren't prepared for is when they popped the lid off of that old thing, and it was packed tight with gold coins. Mm. Calmus said, let's go, let's take it, let's run. And Wilbur said, no, we've got to, Waldo said, we've got we've to show the owners. We, we, we can't do this to the Roberts. Let's at least show them what we've found. And so they walked to the house, and they barely got the word gold out of their mouth, and Mary, that hadn't been around, appeared at the door. And she said, oh, oh, that's, 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 that, that's my gold. I, I, I buried that. Waldo didn't have any choice. Handed over that can. The problem is it would become the thing of trials. Not one, not two, but multiple trials. Only being ten and eight, it would get into their hearts and it would grab a hold of their minds and their spirits. And for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Years They would try to get people to plead their case. About the time that Waldo had turned 19, they finally got a judge that would listen. They kept going back and forth. And when they finally went, they went for not just the value of the coins that was dependent upon what the Roberts had told them, but they wanted interest also. And in around 1905, they finally got a judge to rule in their favor. Finders. Keepers, losers, weepers. It was a settlement that occurred eventually that had not only the original amount of the value, but interest equaling hundreds of thousands of dollars. The problem is when you trace the story forward, Waldo dies three years later. And Calmus dies single as a bitter old man. Only a handful of, or more than a handful of years later, he's trying to find prosperity because the money is gone. He's trying to find friends because the friends are gone. He's trying to find a girl because he can't get one. Some of you know what that's like. He, he, uh... <laughs> Here's the deal, before I lose some of you guys. What he thought was treasure wasn't treasure. It had the potential. It had the ability. But treasure in the wrong hands is no treasure at all. 
I ask a question of you today. I ask the same question of myself, and I ask myself that very question when Brother Gallion introduced me. I've tried to make ministry my priority because it is my call from God. I ask you a question, whether you're 17, 19, 23, or 25. It really doesn't matter. My question is this. What is your calling worth? For those of us that have been ministering for decades, it is no different than those of you who have only been called for days. What is your calling worth? Well, Pastor Carson, I don't even know if I'm called. You do or you wouldn't be here. Whether student or previewer, you would not be here if you did not know that there was a call of God upon your life. And I will tell you that the call of God that upon our life, it is much different than a tin can full of golden coins. And it's, it's a lot more different than the prosperity doctrine that some are trying to push and portray. The call of God that it's upon your life, whether it is to go back and reach a town of 500 or go and plant a church in a city of 5 million, the call of God ought to be worth everything. 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 And Jesus in a string of parables in Matthew chapter 13, we know them most famously for the seed and the sower. It seems to be the series of scriptures that gets the most scrutiny and attention. It's the ones that we talk about. We talk about the seed that is cast and is thrown. We've got the first one that is by the wayside. And then we've got the second set of seeds that is by the stony place and then we have the seed that falls among thorns but there is that fourth opportunity that seed that finds good ground and we know Jesus goes on to describe and even tells what these seeds are about when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown at his heart this is he which receives seed by the wayside and he goes on but he that receives seed into the stony places the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth he he went to a convention and he cried a few tears yet hath he not root in himself he even made it to a preview weekend but dureth for a while for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by he is offended in verse 22, he goes on and he says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But then he finishes by saying, But he that received the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some hundredfold and some 60, and some 30. And he goes on and begins to teach about the wheat and the tares and the growing that is taking place and the ability to be overwhelmed that there could be tares which do grow among wheat. But he gives clarity to this as well in 37 and 38 when he answered and said, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. And as he's worked through these parables, he brings us to a place where it seems like the entire narrative gets switched and the way that it is being illustrated gets turned. And he says, again, 
The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. And he would go on and display the same illustrative way through that of a pearl. When they have found that merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. I rise to this lectern at this important chapel service to tell you something that maybe you already know, but hell would like you to forget. And it's these words, your calling is worth it. Your calling is worth it. Young lady of God called to be a missionary whose feet are not meant to tread upon western soil, but you've been called to a land whose native tongue you do not speak yet. Your calling is worth it. Young man of God who has been living in a family that would like you to study somewhere different and earn a different amount of money, but the thing that's been keeping you up at night and dragging you back into prayerful intercession is that call to an inner city work that if you don't go, no one will. And I'm telling you, your calling is worth it. To the young individual in this room that's been called to take an apostolic pen and put it to paper and begin to write down those lyrics as the Lord downloads them into your spirit and you're not trying to go platinum and you're not trying to win. I'm here to tell you your calling is worth it. And there is an entire philosophy that has entered even into the church world and tried to convince us that it's not either or, that it's both and. That you can chase what you want and you can chase what God wants for you. And whether anyone likes it in person or online, I stand to tell you, you cannot buy the field unless you are willing to sell everything else. I know this is old school preaching, but there is no college anywhere that's worth your calling. There is no dollar figure at any job that is worth your calling. There is no family member worth your calling. There is no girlfriend or boyfriend worth your calling. I wish I could get somebody really help me preach for a minute right now. Somebody that's made up your mind and settled in your spirit. I will sell everything, but I'm going to buy this field. How many believe the treasure, the treasure is worth everything? If people walk away from you, it'll be okay. You'll win people to replace those that walk away. If your friends want to discount you because of your calling, let them discount you. Just don't discount your calling. I said, let them discount you. Just don't discount your calling. To everyone else who stands on the perimeter of that field and looks at what you're ready to purchase and tells you it is not worth it, I'm here decades down the road to tell you it's worth it. It's worth everything. It's worth every day fasting. It's worth every prayer meeting. It's worth every time you decided to be holy and decided to be right. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it.
Man, I don't feel like I can even get past this for a minute. I need somebody to get settled in your spirit. It's worth everything. Yeah, but what about my dreams? What about his? What about my ambitions? What about his? What about my desires? What about his? You didn't get into this to make a name for yourself. You got into this because his name is the name above every name. Got to buy the field. People in this room right now are torn between Bible college and recording contracts. I see you, I hear you, I feel your spirit in the room, and I rise to the occasion to tell you it's worth it. Young preachers in the room right now whose family want them to be a lawyer, but you're called to be a preacher. I hear your spirit. I rise to the occasion to tell you it's worth it. And we're living in a world that is consumed with finders, keepers, losers, weepers. But I've got to tell you tonight, those that will lose are those who refuse to accept the call of God. And I'm here to tell somebody, I'm talking to the 40-year-old version of you. If you walk out on the call of God now, you'll still be 20 years down the road wishing you would not have. You might live in a multi-million dollar home, but you'll lay your head to a satin pillow every night wishing you could get back to the crossroads when you were trying to decide whether you would follow the call of God or the call of the world. Come on, is this kind of old school preaching still okay in 2023 that we challenge young men and challenge young women to say the only thing I'm going to do is seek after the kingdom of God and seek after, I found the treasure. I don't know how I found it. I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but I found the treasure. I found the treasure. It's the call. It's the call of God. I want you to lift your hands all over this room. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to ask God, would you begin to evaluate my heart? Would you begin to speak to my mind and my spirit right now? Hear me, previewer, I'm not saying IBC is your only option, but I am saying Bible college might be your only option. This is not some shameless plug to say if you don't come here, you can't be called. I want it on the record. You don't have to come to IBC to be called. But if you're called to be a surgeon, you need to go somewhere where they will, where they will train you. I don't want, I love all of you, but I don't want any of you with a theology degree taking my kidney out. I don't want any of you doing brain surgery on me if what you've got is a missiology. But those of you that get those degrees, those missiology degrees and those worship degrees, and those biblical studies, I do want you preaching to my kids. And whether, whether I'm ready for it or not, your generation is preaching to my kids. And so I'm trying to preach to you what I hope you will preach to them. It's worth it. It's worth it. 
If he has called you to be a preacher, don't you stoop to be a king. If he has called you to be a missionary, don't you stoop to be anything less. If he has called... Yeah, but that field is old. That field is dingy. That field is dusty. That field is outdated. <laughs> I just felt a net hit the room. Hando rebo koye asata. Come on, he's taking somebody back to a camp meeting prayer right now. Come on, he's walking somebody back down the line to a prayer meeting where you had the audacity to say, I give you everything. I haven't even scratched the surface of what I want to preach, but I feel somebody desperately wanting to respond in your spirit. I want you to lift your hands all over this room. I want groaning and travail to begin to come out of this room. If you ask God for a clear word, here it is. It's worth it. My parents don't understand. Your heavenly father does. My friends don't get it. Your brothers and sisters do. He did call you Whoever needs to hear that right now He did call you The gospel is the field Christ is the treasure But you don't get Christ without his call You may be seated I buried I buried one of the sweetest And most significant women In my entire life yesterday My grandmother was a patriarch for our family, lived righteous when others would not, 
She stood for discipline and faithfulness, Bishop, didn't she? I've told the story before she had this coffee table that I would liken under the Ark of the Covenant. It was shiny and beautiful. All I wanted to do was run across the room and slide. <laughs> you weren't allowed to touch it. I wanted to army crawl through the bottoms. She wouldn't even use English language when she caught me. She would just go, I had the interpretation. (laughs) I was used in the gifts of don't spank me and I... I remember... Never understanding that. I didn't get it. She loved shoes, Brother Turner. Loved shoes. She was a classy lady, always a classy lady. She had all these shoes. I remember thinking it was funny. Until I matured a little bit and grew up and started asking her story. You know, everybody's got context. Everybody, you've heard these. Until I understood that she lived in a family through the Great Depression. They couldn't get shoes. She had to wait on a government voucher once a year. Imagine your foot wearing through the bottom of your shoe and you can't get any. Her father had gone blind at a young age. Her mom would take the hand of her dad and they would lead those girls and walk them to church. He'd sit on the street corner when that tumor in his brain took his blindness, took his eyesight and left him blind. He'd sit on the street corner and he'd try to sell pencils. They were on those government rations. Didn't have anything in their life and yet they'd drag them to church. When her dad, my great-grandfather, died, His wife, her mother, travailed herself to death. She grieved herself until she died. And as a young teenager, my grandmother was left by herself with nothing but some rough old shoes and three brothers. Any girl in this room with brothers, imagine your brothers being your... I see some heads shaking. The devil is a liar. Don't you think date nights would be tough? But through all that trial, through all that tragedy, she met Jesus. In spite of sickness taking her father, in spite of that tragedy taking her mother, in spite of the Great Depression itself stealing and taking the joy out of herself, she learned how to value things of value. And maybe one of the greatest tragedies of the modern apostolic movement is we have ceased to value that which is valuable. Most of us drive vehicles that three-quarters of the entire world could not afford. We wear suits that would be more than the 
average annual income. And we have treasure that's preached at every one of our camps and every one of our conventions and every one of our regular church services. And our pastors get up and they feverishly and anointed, they preach the call of God. And if we are not careful, we choose which days we walk into the field. And if we are not careful, we will raise a generation that rents instead of purchases. I feel a little holy conviction in the room. It's easy to clap when everyone's clapping, but can you do a little introspection when no one is? And can you ask yourself this question, would I really sell everything for the field? Would I really sell everything for the field? Would I really be willing to walk away like so many kids in this room have that you might not know their story where even their families think they're crazy. You said amongst other young adults in this room, you're probably not very far away from someone in this room right now whose family has all but disowned them because the field has so much value. You probably sit not far away from somebody else in this room that is your living, breathing, walking, talking testimony. The field is worth it. Bishop, I might even look at you after decades and ask you that question I like to ask publicly from time to time. Was it worth it? Did you hear that? I hope when my voice sounds like his and my hair is completely the color of his that I'll be able to say these words with this temperament. It's worth it. For anyone on the fence Yeah, but I don't think you understand what I'm considering giving up. I don't think you're really understanding what you're getting. To the second year student who's almost done, who's tired and weary. To the senior who has begun to question, will I even have anywhere to go? I got good news for you. It's worth it. Yeah, but what am I going to do with this teaching? And what am I going to do with this training? Exactly what you were trained to do. You're going to win souls for the kingdom of God. Yeah, but what if no one ever even knows my name? Yeah, but what if your whole city knows his Some of the people I know right now that are really getting it done, we don't talk about them. They don't preach our camps. They don't preach our meetings. They don't get. 
Some of the people that are really getting it done, they're not people of notoriety. They don't have fancy suits and they don't drive big cars, but they're just getting it done in cities that no one wants to talk about and few people want to go to because that's what the call of God is all about. Brother Turner, my town was 800 people. None of you want to go to my town. But thank God somebody did. Nobody shows up to Bible college saying, send me to a city nobody's heard of. It's really not even a city. It's just a village. Nobody shows up longing for that unless... We do our best to try to send and place students. But I'll be honest for you, my greatest concern is not whether or not some church can put you on staff. My greatest concern is not whether some big church can pay you a salary. My greatest concern is, have you sold everything to buy the field? Have you got... Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Holy conviction in this room right now on this... On this Friday morning in February, I'm asking you, what do you still have left? That if you would sell it, you could buy? You could buy the field. If you can't tell yet, God sent me on assignment to try to rescue somebody's calling in this room. I want you to lift your hands. This not much polish, but there's a lot of pool right now in this room. If somebody will start praying right now, you'll start weeping. You'll start weeping tears over that city again. Some kid in this room, some young adult, God sent you here just so you could go home and do something. Come on, we hover in the balance between renters and purchasers right now. Some of you have been leasing this call. You've been renting this call.
We've heard thousands of messages and won so few souls. We've had, we've had so many services where we pull bleachers up around the edge of the field and we look at the field and we cry about the field and we talk about the field. At IBC, we're going to stay about one mission. Forsake everything. I was thinking... I wouldn't embarrass him, but I was thinking about you, Brother Kilman. I was thinking about your mind. One of the well-read, one of the sharpest people I know, one of the smartest people I know. You could have any degree. You could run a business. You could, you're, you're smart. We all value that. I probably never got to do this publicly. We were peers in college many years ago. I wasn't that good of a student. You were a pretty good student. I look at you. I watch the way you teach holiness to these kids. Couldn't preach a meeting. In the city last night, city I'm trying to desperately connect with, and found out Brother Kilman was in town. I said, Call Brother Kilman. I don't think I've ever got to say this. Thanks for buying the field. Didn't do this for money, didn't do this for fame, didn't do this. I could go down the line with staff members. I could go down the line with pastors in this room. Some of the people in the sound booth back here could be doing anything. Jordan, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything. You could, you could be. I know, I know the gifting and I know the talent and I know the ability for you to be sitting by this soundboard and Why? Because the call. Call. If you'd, if you'd get some dirt under your fingers. If you'd get a hold of this treasure. You'd stop focusing on what you had. You'd get rid of every. What will people think? What will people say? What And I'm trying to flip the script as I close this message. What will you think of yourself if you don't? You're at a crossroads in life. Honest evaluation it takes transparency in this moment. You know you're at a crossroads. Some of you are current students I'm talking to. You're at a crossroads. You're trying to decide whether this is going to be a long-term lease or a purchase. You've been waiting on some final assurance. You've been waiting on some final Clarion word as to whether or not it's worth it. This is your word. It's not for everyone. It's applicable to all. But it's for some in this room that you know. 
you got a contract you're ready to sign. You got an estate sale of your spirit getting rid of everything. And you're doing your best not to lament what you're about to lose and cling to what you're about to move forward in. But it's, I'm talking to honest crossroad people in this room. That's where you've been living. And you want to purchase the field today. I'm asking, I'm asking not everyone come. We'll get a chance for everyone to respond and respond from your seats. But I feel a very direct call. Because it's going to show God something when you're honest enough to be honest in front of your peers. And you say, I've been at a crossroads. I've been in a long-term lease. I've been in a rent situation. But I'm, I'm, I'm purchasing this field. If it costs me everything else. I'm purchasing this field. If that's you, I'm asking you to come to the very front of this building and stand as close as you can. Just your walk alone is going to do a lot for you. Just come and stand here for a moment. Come as close as you can. There's a lot trying to come. I want everyone else in the building, I want you to stand, if you will. Thank you. Those of you in the front of this, boy, I feel feel the Holy Ghost. I want you to hear me. I want you to be very clear about this. Please look at me. Please hear me. He saw enough treasure in you. He walked out of glory. He manifested himself. He signed on the line with his own blood for he purchased young man called to be a preacher I could call a few of you out right now you hear me right now I'm not telling you it's going to be easy I won't lie to you it won't be easy and it won't even feel good I'm telling you we can ride this emotional high of an altar where we think I'm going to sell everything oh it's going to be great no no it's not Because they'll be going to hang out and you'll be going to a prayer meeting. They'll be climbing the corporate ladder and you'll be falling on your knees. You'll be ministering to people that will talk bad about you. You'll be ministering to people that will hurt you. You'll be reaching for people that will not reach back. But you'll be in the will of God.
I want those in the sanctuary stretch your hands towards these and begin to pray. Ministers, pastors, leaders, would you stretch across the front of this? Just stay on the platform with me, but let's pray. And if some of you want to try to work through, that's fine. But let's stretch across this platform and pray. Purchase the field. Purchase the field. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom. Come on, young man, it's the call of God. A thousand altar calls later. Sign the deal. Buy the field. By this truth, and I will tell I choose this truth above all else. 
is truth in 